Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey everybody, how's it going out there? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. This is episode 43. Jamie Eads joining you as always. Hope everybody's having a fantastic week out there. We have another great episode for you today. We are going to be joined by Tyler Zarzika here in just a moment. He is out on the road with Kiara. So please stay tuned after this message from Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand, and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, everybody. As I mentioned uh, earlier, we're going to be joined here in just a second by Tyler Zarzika. Uh, He is on the road with Kiara right now. He just recently wrapped up a tour with Noah Cyrus as well. Tyler is out there doing lots of great work, and his story is just so inspirational. Uh, He worked for quite some time uh, as a drum technician for some of the great names in the business, and we get into that as we talk to him. want to thank him for taking some time to come on the drum shuffle. So please help me welcome Tyler Zarzika. Hey, good afternoon, Tyler. How's it going? How are you doing? Man, I'm doing wonderfully well, doing wonderfully well. Uh, I understand this is your first day off in a while, so thank you so much for spending it with the Drum Shuffle. We appreciate it. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So, um, Tyler, you know, if you're familiar with the show, you know, we like to to start at the beginning. Tell us where you grew up and, and how you ended up behind a drum set. Um, so I'm from uh, Northern California in a little town called Antelope, uh, which is about half an hour north of Sacramento. Um, and I, I 
didn't start playing drums until I would, I consider it 16 years old, but that was when I got my first pair of drumsticks. Um, my dad didn't want to give me a drum set cause he was afraid I was going to like it. Uh, <laughs> so he, he got me a pair of sticks for my 16th birthday and, um, I knew that I, I wanted to play drums cause I had just saw my first concert, which was 2001. Um, and it was blink 182 with Travis Barker yeah. and, um, that, and, you know, actually it was, it's funny cause the seats were so bad. I couldn't even see Travis. We were so far to the right, but I could hear it. And that's all I needed was just to like, that was my first experience of like an arena show with real arena drums. And I was, I felt it in my chest and I was like, I have to play this instrument. I have to learn it. Um, prior to that, you know, I sang in choir, um, in elementary school and I, I, I was a saxophonist in junior high, but none of it was ever like rock and roll or, or pop punk or rock or punk, you know, and, uh, that started coming into to my life at the age of 16 and 17. So, um, drums just kind of reached out to me. Um, and yeah, it was 17 years old that I got my first drum set. Um, didn't know what I was doing. Didn't have YouTube, didn't have anything. None of my friends played drums. Um, and I was kind of just on my own. Um, but that then spiraled into, you know, a whole career of drumming, which, which I would love to get into. But uh, I think that covers at least where I'm from and then how I, how I guess I started uh, uh, playing drums. Sure. Well, it, you said I, I didn't have YouTube, so that must mean you're an, an old guy like me. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, what I'm I find... Old-ish. Oldish, yeah. yeah, oldish, <laughs> right? Um, mm-hmm. Well, what I find interesting is, you know, if if you didn't really start playing until you were sixteen or seventeen, you probably missed out on a lot of the, uh, you know, school band stuff. You know, in terms of mm-hmm. you know marching and and rudiments and and all that good stuff. And I know mm-hmm. that you have just a a really cool, unique story, and we're going to get into that, but. You know, when you started at, at 16, 17, did you start forming garage bands, you know, almost immediately or did you hold off a little while? It was purely just to start playing with, with the friends that I was making. Um, so I knew there were other musicians. None of them were the drummers, but they were guitar players and bass players that I were acquaintances with. And I kind of wanted, I knew I wanted to get into that scene, but I was, I was a very shy kid back in the day. I was geeky and, and, and didn't, and by any means was not popular. Um, and these kids kind of just seemed like my, my type of people. Um, and we were in the same music. And so it made sense that, Oh yeah, you play bass and you play guitar. Let's make a band. And it was, you know, cheesy band names. And my parents were the only ones that for some reason we're gone most of the day because they had a nine to five job. And, you know, once you get out of school at two thirty or three o'clock, you had a few hours to do band practice. And, uh, so my house was always the garage. Um, and it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. You know, I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing and nobody really said I was doing anything wrong or right, but it seemed fun. Um, and you know, uh, Sacramento was a, a big hardcore emo scene um in early 2000s and i feel like that's the music that we were just surrounded with and then i kind of embodied and i started playing um in that genre um but deep down i knew that i was never gonna make it in a band like that as much fun as it was i i I was it was the perfect time of life where i was like i i don't know what i want to do but if this is something i want to do 
I want to be able to make money at it. I don't want to struggle my whole life. If I can make this into a career somehow, that would be amazing. But I had no idea how to do that. I didn't know that there was such a thing as a, a session musician or the Los Angeles music industry that, you know, has been thriving for so long. That was completely out of my, my life bubble. Um, so uh, after only about a year and a half of just being in a bunch of bands, local bands, friends bands, um, I started taking lessons. Um, I went down to the local music shop that was next to my house, and there was a catalog of four drummers you could choose from. Three of them were old, and, I, and they all preached about jazz, and I was like, well, I don't want to learn jazz, even though in <laughs> hindsight I should have learned jazz. But uh, I, did, I did at some point end up starting learning jazz. But the teacher that I chose was young, and he had a cool haircut, and he had a tattoo on his arm, and it ended up being Mike Johnston of Mike Johnston's Lessons Online. <laughs> wow. But it was, it was him pre all that. This was 2004 at this time. And he was just a teacher and he was also in bands of his own. Um, he didn't have the empire that he's created to this day. Um, and I, 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 I'm so glad I chose, you know, horribly based on his image, but he ended up being one of the best teachers I've ever worked with in my entire life. Um, and he, he got me settled in with just like the basics, the rudiments, certain grooves, um, and he also helped push me to uh, want to be a better drummer. And in doing so, going to music school, which was Musicians Institute. Um, so, and, and my dad as well was, was a big believer that if I was going to do something, I had to have a degree. I had to go to school for it. Um, and so my dad was, was very much uh, pro me going to Los Angeles um, and, and starting kind of a, a, a new life on my own. Um, which I did at the age of 19, only two years after I started running, really. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's just, it's just yeah. a great story. It's awesome. And, and of course, you know, Musicians Institute was always, you know, as a kid growing up in central Kentucky, you know, like mm -hmm. me, that was, you know, it was either Musicians Institute or Berkeley. You know, I mean, those yeah, are the the, exactly. the two things that were always pie in the sky goals for me. And, you know, unfortunately, it didn't work out that I went to either. But Musicians Institute, is known for just pumping out, you know, especially drummers that are just in demand on the biggest mm -hmm. tours, on the biggest records, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I think Glenn Sobel taught there for a while, who's been with Alice Cooper now for a number of years. I don't know if you had Glenn, any... Glenn Sobel taught me when yeah, I was there. Yeah. yeah. So He was one of my teachers for a live playing workshop. Um, and Ray Luzier was a graduate um, who I saw do a clinic there as well. Um, yeah, big names. Uh, Chad Smith from Chili Peppers went went to MI as well. Um, yeah, and then, you know, tons of guitar players and bass players too. Yeah, I mean, it just speaks for itself, which is awesome. Now, I'm not going to hold it against you that that you took lessons from Mike Johnston. Okay, I'm not going to hold that against you because he hosts <laughs> probably the biggest drumming podcast on the planet. You know, the the yeah. modern drummer. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> podcast. And, you know, we have goals here at the drum shuffle and, you know, mm -hmm. a, a couple of those are a, to get Mike Johnston on the show and B ah. to, to steal about half their listeners each week. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> if I could do those two things, I'd be a happy man. But, um, I, Tyler, so I, I know that after, you know, your time at, at musicians Institute, I, I know that you, you chased the drumming thing for a while. 
Um, mm-hmm. But I know that you started working for a backline company. And um, I want you to talk a little bit about that because I think this is such an inspirational part of your life story. Um, mm-hmm. And it's really cool. So talk to us a little bit about the decision to start doing more tech work than being, you know, behind the kit, you know, it, when the lights mm-hmm. come up. I, I think it's just such a cool story. And I want you to share that with our listeners. Well, it, it's I, this is honestly my favorite story. And it, it is one of the things, you know, I feel like I'll be talking about for the rest of my life. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the path that I ended up choosing, but I never saw that as even an option. Um, I graduated Musicians Institute in 2007, um, and I graduated not even knowing that there was a production side to the industry. I didn't know what backline meant. Um, I didn't know how to tune drums, really. Um, cut to uh, uh, present time now, 2018, they actually have courses dedicated to um, tuning, maintenance, uh, gear, you know, wood types at MI. So they've stepped up uh, since then. But when I was there, it was pure just, you know, make me a good drummer um, as quickly as possible. Um, so I graduated and uh, toured with some bands for probably a good two or three years. And around 2008, 2009, um, the well dried up. I had no work and I wasn't getting calls like I was expecting. Um, I, I felt like I was, a, I was the type of player that I was, was hoping to be, but nobody wanted to work with me. Um, and it was kind of a letdown. And I, I, I didn't want to give up. I didn't want to, you know move up to, back to the Sacramento and with my tail between my legs, I wanted to, to push past um, rejection of, you know, not getting auditions and just people saying, no, we don't need a drummer. Thank you so much for reaching out. You know, that hearing that over and over again is, is daunting. Um, but it's, it's reality though. I mean, it is very much reality. Yeah. You're, everyone's going to have a lot of no's in their life. I'm, I'm no exception, but when you're, when you're, prime out of school and your ego is high you think everything is there and and when it's not you're just like oh i I, maybe i'm not as good as i think or maybe i I don't deserve this or maybe i need to work harder you know so yeah it it was it was a good uh good thing in hindsight um but it was actually uh i met a, a, a friend of mine his name was mike may at musicians institute and he called me one day uh asking if i wanted to take his position working for a backline company called center staging um, and if any of the listeners don't know what backline is, backline is purely just any musical instrument that's on stage. Um, and if you're a backline tech, it's your job to maintain, fix, set up, tear down, and transport those, that equipment, whether it's guitar, keyboards, uh, microphones, uh, and drum sets. So I got a call to, to work there, got the job, and was then put on a crash course of how do you tune? Um, it was another thing <laughs> when I graduated, I didn't know how to tune. Um, and it, it, tuning scared me. If I had to take off the bottom, uh, you know, hazy ambassador of my snare drum, I was like, it's ruined. I, there's no way I'm going to make it sound <laughs> any way that it does now. I'm just never going to take it off. I was one of those people that was just like, don't touch my drum. Like it's, it's in tune. It'll never go back. I can never make it sound as good as it is now. Um, so it was really just military style. I was tuning five kits a day, uh, five days a week, 40 hours, and every type of head, drum, uh, combination you could imagine. And it, and it was my job to set them up in studios for bands that were coming through to rehearse or send them out to um, award shows, Grammy shows, TV performances, all that stuff. So 
it was amazing, but that became my, my nine to five job, um, which was nice because I wasn't touring and I needed to work, but I was only making $10 an hour. Um, and that was barely paying for my rent at the end of the month. And I was still confused. I'm like, well, I, I, I thought I knew what I was doing now. I like this, but I'm not, it's not lucrative by any means. What else can I do? Um, and I just started reaching out to some of the, the backline technicians that were on tour with bands that were coming through the studios and realizing they're making thousands of dollars a week and I'm making thousands of dollars a month. I, I was just like, I have to, I have to, I, I, I need to survive. I'm sick of being poor. I want to do that. So I just reached out um, and ended up getting my first tour as a, as a drum tech for the band Hanson. This was 2008. Um, and I was at Hanson's uh, drum tech for, for uh, one year. And it was an eye opener. I'd never really been like an assistant to somebody, but that was kind of my job. You know, I set up his drums and if he wanted something, I, I got it for him and um, ended up really loving it. And I ended up giving it a hundred percent. And yeah, I got such a satisfaction of making another drummer happy that it, it made me almost just as happy as me playing drums. Um, because at that time I did know finally how to tune and I knew how to tweak things. And some drummers, you know, some famous drummers and professional drummers to this day still can't tune their own kit, um, <laughs> which is an interesting reality, but it's very true. Um, and hey man, all I do is play, <laughs> right? That's the, they, they pay me to yeah, play the drums. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But the, the 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 real big break was um, I had I had the uh, pleasure to meet Aaron Spears while he was rehearsing with Usher and his tech would come through and we made friends um, and his tech had been with him for years at that point and I think he was burnt out from being on the road and he needed a a replacement and somehow Aaron called me one day I, I didn't have his number and I was very surprised to hear from him but he was like hey I got a a tour with Usher coming up in Asia it leaves in a week do you want to do it. Uh, and I was just like, yes, please take me with you. I'll do whatever you want. Um, and that turned into four years of touring with, with Usher all over the world and, and working alongside Aaron Spears, which was just, just simply amazing to, well, that's, to say. That's a great guy to stand behind while he's playing every night. I'll, I'll just say yeah. that, you know, I mean, wow, what a monster. I know it, 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 it was I, I, I took video footage, you know, with my cell phone and I have some of them saved that I, I, I honestly haven't even looked at some of them, but it, it's nice to like, I know that I'm going to be able to look back on those days at some point and be like, I got to work next to him this whole time. I still don't know what he's doing. I can't fathom the fills that he does. He's so fast and so powerful. And I was just like, how are you human? You, I don't understand, but he's also one of the nicest people and drummers I've ever worked for. He deserves everything in this world. That's good. Um, he's, uh, he's such a great guy. I will just say this about Aaron Spears. You know, when I first started hearing the name, I was like, yeah, I don't know who that is. And somebody <laughs> said, you need to just do, do Google is your friend here. And, <laughs> you know, he has those moments. I call them, uh, you know, pulling the rabbit out of the hat fills mm -hmm. where he starts a fill and you go, there's no way this ends good. You know, there's there's no way he's going to find the one on this. And he does yep, yep. every time. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, my God, it's it, it's like David Copperfield. You know, his chops are just ridiculous. But yeah, um, well, I mean, what a cool experience. So you say four years as Aaron's drum tech. 
Yeah, 2010 to 2014. Um, in between that, we, we did do an American Idol tour, which he was the drummer for. Um, and he brought me along with then because we, we worked really well together. Um, and he, I think he wanted to just keep me on as long as possible. And he was aware I was a drummer as well, but, um, I think he, we understood each other's, um, positions in the roles uh, of production. You know, I never bugged him about drumming questions. I never was like, Hey, what's that still? And did you, why did you end it with your left hand? It was, we purely was, we were just friends. We talked about life. And if, if he wanted to talk about gear, we would talk about gear. But other than that, we were talking about food and, and the transportation that we had to deal with for, <laughs> for the tour. You know, it was, it was fun. And we still talk to this day, at least once a month, uh, we'll, we'll catch up. That's awesome. I mean, that's yeah. just, that's fantastic. So, you know, it goes without saying, you know, and one of my former guests who is one of the legendary drum techs in the business, and that's John Aldridge, um, mm. you know, who techs for yeah. REO Speedwagon and has been with them for a number of years. John Aldridge said, I do not get paid to tune drums. I do not get paid to set up drums. That's my job. But I get paid to be away from home. And it's very lucrative to be away from home doing this, you know, so the money was good. But I know at at some point, you know, doing all these world tours, you said, I'm going back to being the, the player. So talk to us a little bit about the transition from being on many, many world tours as a drum technician and making that good money to say, and I'm going to throw my hat back in the ring as a performer. Mm hmm. Yeah, I, I wish I wish musicians got paid as much as some as the crew does. Uh, <laughs> I, I have not made such good money as I have uh, since being a drum tech. But you know, we're we're breaking our backs and we're or we're standing on our feet for sixteen hours a day. Um, and the times you see a musician on stage, uh, it can be an hour um, for for a show time and then maybe a half hour sound check. So, um, it's, it's worth the money, but it, it definitely took a toll. It, it, it was very stressful, um, at some points, but I learned a lot and I loved it. Um, and worked for many bands. Usher wasn't the only band, um, by any means. Um, and I would love to say that I kind of came up with the idea on my own to go back to drumming, but it was a, a really good friend of mine, uh, Max Bernstein, who, who kind of called me out one day and was like, listen, I need a drummer for an uh, upcoming pop singer, and I don't want to tell them you're a tech, and I also don't want you to be a tech. He's like, I want you to be a drummer. And, and Max was somebody who I met in an audition years prior, um, probably 2007 or eight, and um, he was just like, you know, I, I thought you were an amazing drummer then. I'm sure you're still an amazing drummer. I see that you've been teching for, you know, six years now. But if you want this opportunity, I'm giving it to you. But you have to quit being a drum tech. And that was that was the give. And uh, I kind of I had to sit down. At the time, I was working for Demi Lovato. Um, the drummer was Mike Reed, uh, an amazing drummer as well. Um, and I was very comfortable in my position. Uh, my production manager, Javier Alcaraz, was amazing. And the whole crew with Demi was, was fantastic. We also toured the world twice with her. And, and I loved my job. And I, I got the same satisfaction, like I said, as being a drummer. But I did miss something. There was something about when you're on stage and another drummer's drumming. Even though he's better than me, at some point when he's doing like a simple groove, and I'm like, I could do that. 
And <laughs> I can't imagine what that would feel like to do that in an arena. You know, I've, I was, I've, I've been in so many arenas with Usher that arenas felt like home, but to perform an arena, that would have been mind blowing, you know, to me at the time, um, which it was. So I, I had to quit. I, I, I quit Demi, uh, found, found them a sub. I didn't, Definitely didn't bring any bridges on that one, um, but and ended up getting the audition that Max uh, called me for, and started touring as a drummer again. Took the pay cut, um, but we were still on a bus. We played House of Blues size venues. It was fantastic. Uh, the artist's name was Tiffany Houghton, and um, it was great. And that was a big turning point in my life because had I not said yes, I'd probably still be a drum tech. Um, and I'd probably, you know, have more money in the bank right now, but I'd probably be regretting myself, you know, at least within the next three years. Um, so I'm glad I went that route. Um, and thankfully that led to another audition, which I got, which led to many, many, many more. And, and now I'm currently just solely a drummer, no more drum teching. Well, and, and, you know, I think that, you know, the old saying is hindsight is always 2020. You know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so, yeah, you may have more money in the bank, but you're still, as you said, on your feet 16 hours a day and breaking your back and and all the things that go along with being a, you know, solely being a tech. Mm -hmm. There there is something that comes from the satisfaction of driving a band, whether it's a, you know, a three piece band or, you know, you got 20 guys out on stage. But but when you're the drummer, you've got the steering wheel you know, and, and you're, you're the driver of that. And there's a feeling that, that it just can't be replaced by anything else in the industry. And that's being on stage, driving the band. Right. I mean, I agree. I agree. Yeah. So, you know, you've had some, just some amazing gigs and, you know, I want you to speak to the fact that whether you're a tech or a drummer, you know, uh, uh, the performer, it is all about the networking and that gig leading to the next gig leading to the next gig, because I know, and I may get these backwards, but you just finished a tour with Noah Cyrus, correct? Correct. Yeah. And you just started a tour with Kiara, correct? That will start on Monday. Okay. I just finished, but I just wrapped rehearsals uh, last night. Okay. So you're literally going from one killer gig to the next killer gig, right? I mean, I love, I love being busy. That's, that's, uh, (laughs) you know, uh, what can I say? Yeah. Well, but being busy means the checks are coming every week, you know, and, and, and we've all got to live, but I find it interesting that, that, you know, no matter which side of the stage you're on, it's all about the networking and not burning any bridges. You said it yourself, and that's very important in our industry. Yeah, that's, that, was, that was a big thing for me. Um, I would never leave any camp or person or manager high and dry. Um, obviously, certain things happen and, and life gets in the way sometimes, and you might need to sub out certain things. But as long as you're accommodating and, and do your best to help out everybody, people want to work with you again. Uh, and I'm so glad you brought up the networking thing just because, you know, if if I didn't give 100% when I was a drum tech for Hanson, um, which led to, you know, a few more bands even prior to Usher. Um, I, I did a Dell at one point. I was doing Three Doors Down um, also. Um, had any of them been like, oh, yeah, this kid is, is not that good. He, you know, he kind of half-asses his job and... I would never recommend him. I probably wouldn't have gotten any other tech gig. 
Um, and I was actually just speaking at my uh, at MI yesterday um, for uh, like an alumni panel, and we brought up the topic of you know if you should give a hundred percent even if you're playing some bar to five people, including the sound guy, because you never know that it, one of those people might be somebody who might need a drummer or know somebody who needs a drummer, and all it takes is that handshake at the end going, "Hey, man, that was really good. Can I get your information?" And you go, yes, like, thank you. Like, thanks for reaching out. And I'm glad you came to the show. And, you know, if I was just kind of like bummed that I was playing this bar to five people, which I have done before. Oh, um, you and me both. Nobody, I mean, everybody's yeah, done that gig. You have, to, you have to play those, but you, you also can't half-ass half those. You know, I treat every single gig that I'm doing with the utmost respect and I give it all, you know, 100% of, of my effort and energy. Well, and you have to, because we've all had the the bar gig with five people there. You know, I mean, we've all, you know, if you've done it for any length of time anyway, we've all had that gig and you have to approach it like every gig is 20,000 people in an arena. You just you have to give it your all, whether you're drumming or teching or running sound or being an assistant engineer in the studio. I, I just think that's yeah. such a good lesson that you're sharing with all of us right mm-hmm. now. Um, I, I want to switch gears just a little bit because I know that you're um, you're a collector as well. Uh <laughs> And I am, yes. I, well, I would be remiss if we didn't talk, you know, if we didn't geek out on drums for just a minute here. Um, so we'll we'll kind of segue into this. But did you pick up that bug, the collecting bug? Did you get that from your work as a tech and knowing what to look for in every town at the pawn shop, or have you always been a gear guy? It's always about the local, the local pawn shops. I found some really cool vintage symbols uh, doing that. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Um, but no, the, the vintage gear bug for me really showed up only because I was, I was making good money working for Aaron. Um, and I always dreamed about having drums. Um, after I graduated music school, you know, I had a, a, a Pacific uh, PDP drum set. Um, very just bottom of the line, simple drum set. I'd had crappy cymbals, um, and my drum heads were old, you know, I never, I never had the nice kit and I always dreamed of having something that, of, of show, um, uh, just, you know, the certain way that people treat their cars. Um, I wanted that for drums. Uh, so I think my first purchase was probably about 2012 or 13. And it was, uh, from a friend of mine. I got a, a late 70s Superphonic uh, 14 by 5 and I still have that to this day. And I just, there was something about that drum being, you know, 40, 50 years old that, that I just loved. I'm, I'm such a tinkerer and I love taking things apart. And especially when it's a drum like that where, you know, you can fill the lugs with with cotton balls or foam like that. I was so into that, like taking apart, cleaning all the old dust that's been sitting in there for so long. Like <laughs> that really, really, really got me excited. Yeah. Um, and then it just, then I just went on eBay and I went crazy. Um, I, I, I don't have, I feel like there's some other drummers like Dave Elitch who has a lot of gear. I don't have that much. Um, I have everything that I need is practical and usable. Um, I, I think I have about 22 snare drums and, uh, four drum kits. Well, I, I mean, it's just, 
you know, once you get the gear bug, there is no remedy for it. (laughs) There is no, there's not. Yeah. It's, (laughs) it's a good addiction. It's like getting tattooed. It's the same thing. Once you get one tattoo, you're like, Oh yeah, I did like that a lot. Let's, let's keep going. (laughs) For sure. Well, and I know that you're now, um, an artist with Q drums, which, you know, I've seen their stuff and, and beautiful instruments. I don't know a whole lot about the company, um, mm-hmm. you know, but I know that they're doing some really cool stuff. How much of your, um, you know, your, your tech experience goes into talking with those guys saying, Hey, you know, that this one is great, but wouldn't it be cool if, do you get to do some of that stuff with your uh, relationship with those guys? I do, uh, actually. And, and one of the reasons I chose Q drums and then, you know, obviously Q had to choose me as well. It was, it, it's, it's very much 50 50 when it comes to an endorsement, but, um, the owner of the company, Jeremy Berman, he is a drum tech. He was a drum tech for nine inch nails with Josh Freese. He is a nine inch uh, nails drum tech for Alon Rubin as well. Um, he's currently doing Muse. Um, and he's the owner of the company. Uh, he's a brilliant mind, fantastic tuner. And he knows everything about drums and electronics and edges and wood types. Uh, but the unique thing about key drums is they specialize in metal drums. Um, you can get a, a galvanized steel kit. You can get a copper kit, um, brass kit. What, uh, you know, those are the, the metal choices they offer. And it's, it's unbelievable. I toured with a galvanized steel with Charlie Puth a few years back. And I had a monitor engineer come up to me and stop me. And was like, that's the best kick drum I've ever heard. He's like, I didn't have to do anything to it. It's it's simply perfect. And then he's like, I'd like you to continue on and keep hitting the rest of the drum. So I was like, oh my gosh, thank you. <laughs> and like, it's not like I tuned it perfectly. It was just a you know a P3 with a with a hole on the, on the rezzo head. It was nothing crazy, but they know what they're doing. Um, and the kit that I decided to get was uh, a mahogany kit which was I wanted to wrap as well, just so that it was something that roadworthy, something a local hand could drop and scratch and I wouldn't get upset about, you know, right. if I had, if I was on a tour where I had my own tech and maybe we had like, uh, you know, giant road cases living in semis and I had somebody that was really keeping it on my gear, I would have uh, a metal kit, which is going to be my next purchase, but I'm just going to, going to wait <laughs> to see uh, what gigs would allow that, you know, <laughs> sure. Sure. So, but no, they're, they're fantastic. They know exactly what they're doing. They've built some custom things for me. Um, they rush deliver everything I need because I'm unfortunately one of those guys where it's like, Oh, by the way, I have a tour coming up and I want a, a 10 inch Tom. Can you build that for me in five days? And they did. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty amazing what they're doing over there. Well, you know, I mean, and that's the big thing that that a lot of people don't understand. You know, we've had guys from gear companies on the show and we've talked about endorsements. And, you know, a lot of people still to this day say to me, isn't it cool you get your stuff for free? And I'm like, I don't. <laughs> you know, I don't either. You know, either. yeah. You know, unless you're Steve Gad, you probably don't get your stuff for free, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's not just about, you know, this brand or that brand or, or, or those things, it's what you just said, the fact that, hey, man, I really need this to accomplish my mission. And the company goes, no problem. I got your back. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, it's that relationship that makes the the, the artist, um, you know, 
relationships so special with their gear companies is can mm-hmm. they can they help you accomplish your mission? So, um, you know, yeah. great words from you, Tyler. Thanks for thanks for sharing Thank that. Um, so tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, the the gigs that you're on right now. You, you just finished up with Noah and you're getting ready to mm-hmm. start with with Kiara. How did you end up in in those two gigs? And, you know, what's the long term uh, outlook for for both of those or or either of those? Well, the uh, Kiara gig I've actually had the longest uh, as far as the one that I'm currently on. Um, I've been with her for two years now. And that gig I got as a referral from somebody I never met. Um, Wow because they heard that I did a good job on a prior tour from a friend of mine who was a friend of this person who needed a drummer. Um, you know, and it goes back to what we just said. Had I not done a good job on that other tour, I wouldn't have gotten the call for Kiara. Um, and I'd be sitting at home bored right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it, that was, that was that it thankfully wasn't an audition process. Um, but I still had to show up kind of knowing what I was doing. Um, and if I couldn't really connect or hang with the music director, I, I probably would have been fired. Um, but ended up getting the gig, worked well with the artist, and we've toured now several times. Um, and, and Kiara's music is so much fun uh, to play. It's very electronic. I, I have an e-kick. I have a pad, uh, an SPDS pad, triggers on everything. And we basically try to recreate her show, her album verbatim. Um, she's very much dedicated to the sound. Um, so, you know, if, for her, if, if there's no crash symbol on the top of a chorus, I don't play that crash symbol. Um, it's very much in tune to, to what she wants. Uh, and Noah Cyrus, um, I've had, I've been with her for a year now and that was not an audition as well. That was a hand me down from her drummer. Uh, his name is Elias Mallon. He's also the drummer for Kesha. He, uh, he was juggling both gigs, couldn't do a tour for Noah, so had me come in uh, as his replacement. Um, and so since he's been so busy with, with Kesha as well, uh, I've kind of just taken over the Noah gig. Um, but, and Noah's fantastic as well. She's only 18 years old, but she was raised on the road. You know, She grew up uh, on a tour bus uh, at a very young age touring with her dad. Um, Billy Ray. Yeah. Well, so, you know, he's you know, a Kentucky she, guy, you know, I, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. you, you know, we're very familiar with the Cyrus family here. I'll just say that. <laughs> the Cyrus family is, is absolutely amazing. There's, there's so much fun to be around. Um, they come out to all the, the major shows and the major markets. Um, and actually we got to perform, I got to perform at Madison Square Garden with Billy Ray Cyrus. We had to learn achy breaky heart the day before because we got the call that he wants to play it with Noah on, on stage at Madison Square Garden. And we did. And I was I wasn't nervous, but I was just like take I was so taken back. I was like, this can't be real. Like everyone knows achy breaky heart, but here I am playing it with, with the man that wrote it. Like it was just it was amazing. Um, I am of the so, vintage. Yeah, it's, <laughs> what's that? I said I am of the vintage that when I was playing in cover bands in the early '90s here, you couldn't get a, and I don't care if you were a metal band, you weren't leaving the bar until you played it. I mean, it <laughs> it, it was that big at that time culturally that you 
I don't, it could have been a jazz trio gig. You were playing yeah. achy breaky heart before you got out alive. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's so funny. I, I did not know that. What year did that, that song come out? Do you remember? I, you know, I want to say probably 92, okay. uh, either 91, 92, 93. It was the early nineties. And, you know, that's I mean, so I was, I was just a young drummer at the time playing all the cover gigs I could find and it didn't matter here in in Kentucky, in this area especially. I mean, you know, he's the native son. You had mm-hmm. to play that song. It was on the country station. It was on the rock station. <laughs> it was you could not escape that song here anyway in the early nineties. Just couldn't do it. Uh, that's amazing. Yeah, it's it, it d- definitely a, an awesome experience. Well, you know, and you bring up a good point that you know you're you're playing with Noah. You know, you're playing with Kiara. And you said it's all electronic. We're recreating, a, you know, a, a pop album. You know, dare mm-hmm. I call it a pop album? But yeah. you're a kid that grew up in Sacramento in the hardcore emo scene. You know how <laughs> how hard is it for you to to kind of switch that gear, or or is it just hey, this is what the gig calls for? I I once I graduated music school it it completely opened up my eyes to every other genre that I was not uh, immersed in. Um, uh, I, you know, I was taking classes on reggae and, and, and Latin, uh, Latin fusion, jazz. I was taking a metal class, studio drummer class, history of drumming class. Um, it really just broadened my horizons. And then I ended up falling in love with each, genre of music there was a phase where i was like i'm only listening to jazz for six months straight and then there was a time where i was like i'm only listening to 80s classic rock um you know i had all these things and now my 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 mental capacity for music is 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 so vast thankfully now um before it was just blink 182 and metallica those are the only bands i liked now it's now it's (laughs) everything i can appreciate everything but i also knew once i graduated music school that certain gigs, they might not want me to hit my ride symbol as hard as humanly possible. You know, that might yield me getting fired. So I, I kind of just, you know, swallowed my pride and, and, and realized the instrument, um, is what I'm getting paid for it to be. So if somebody tells me they want me to hit as hard as possible, done, I got you. But if it's if it's an artist who might not sing as loud or doesn't like loud drums, then I have to, uh, you know, I have to kind of tone it down a bit. So every time I enter a gig, I very much prep mentally, like, how am I going to be playing these songs? What level of like energy should I be trying to give? Because sometimes they don't, you know, management might not want you to be a showy drummer. You might be wearing all black with no lights on you whatsoever, or it might be a thing where it's like, okay, spotlight is on you at all times. We want you to do stick tricks and everything else. Um, and I, I'm totally okay with, with being told what to do. I actually thrive better, I think, as a musician that way. Um, so, you know, I miss playing, you know, those hardcore songs, uh, everything that I grew up listening to, uh, even the old pop punk stuff, which is which just as, just as big uh, in my life. Um, but I still play those for fun. You know, when I'm at home and I don't have to learn a song, I revert back to those old songs from uh, the early 2000s. And that gives me that satisfaction as well. But to play something live and, and choose unique sounds or effects or electronic parts to perform that make an artist happy, that makes me just as happy. So um, yeah, I, I, I definitely play for the show. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, I mean, obviously your playing speaks to that and, and just your resume will tell anybody what they need to know, you know, that, that you can do whatever is asked of you. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, and just from me personally, I can remember a time where, you know, I might get a, a session call and it was like, OK, this is going to be brushes. And I would be like, yeah, I'm not coming. <laughs> no, you got to say yes to everything. That's the rule. Well, right. And, you know, and I don't know how old I was or when it happened, but at some point it just clicked with me. Like you said, OK, I need to start thinking about the song more than I need to think about Jamie. You know, yeah. and yeah. some of the, the one of the best tracks I've ever played on was literally a snare drum with brushes and it was a train beat. I mean, you know, any monkey can go in and do a train beat on a snare drum with brushes, but it ended up being one of the favorite tracks I ever played on. I love a good train beat. Are you kidding me? That's uh, that's, <laughs> that's some tasteful, tasteful drumming right there, I think. It, well, it is. But I mean, you're not going to end up on the cover of Modern Drummer. You know what I'm saying? No, I, I mean, if, not. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but, you know, to your point going in and doing what's asked of you will keep you working and keeps those, those checks coming, you know, that, that I always mm -hmm. like to refer to. Um, so what does the future hold for, for Tyler? I mean, are you, are you just going to keep going from gig to gig? Do you have kind of your own project in the back of your mind? Um, what's the long term? I have a few forks in the road, uh, that I would like to follow. Um, I'm, I'm, I have really nothing holding me down. Um, I'm single and in my thirties and I kind of just want life to, to take its natural course. Um, if, as far as my career is concerned, I would love, I would love so much to stick with one artist for 10 years. Yeah. Um, that would make me so much happier just because you, you, you know, your boss, you would know your crew, you would know you're getting taken care of and it would not be in, like an uncomfortable situation to where every, every new gig you show up and you, you know, you're learning 15 people's different names and managers are looking at you and judging you. And there's all this stress that comes along with joining a new project or working for a new artist. But if I was with somebody for so long, I would just love that. So I'm hoping one of the artists that I've worked for maybe just takes off and wants to keep me along for the ride. Um, but if that doesn't happen, uh, happen, I will just, keep, uh, keep playing for different people. I, I love, I do love working for new artists just because I, I can almost start the whiteboard completely fresh and go, okay, how should I approach this gig? What, what do I think would fit best for this type of music? And that's always fun to do. Um, and if that doesn't happen, um, you know, I know when I probably hit my forties, um, I might not want to tour as much, you know, maybe late forties. I might want to start settling, staying at home more often. Um, and one of my dreams now is to be a drummer on a house band on a TV show. And <laughs> I, was, I, I heard the other day that somebody was like, that's nobody's dream ever, but it kind of, it, it sounds lovely. I mean, you work in the city you live in, you, you work five days a week and you have summers off. And you're done with work by 8 p.m., 7 p.m. every day. So I think that would be uh, a fun little little time in my life if that ever if that ever came, uh, you know, came to fruition. 
Well, I tell you what, I'll make a call to Questlove as soon as we hang up and, <laughs> and tell him he's out. One day Questlove is going to get real sick of it and somebody's going to swoop in. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I, to your point, you know, look at all the cool stuff that Questlove does on the side. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. Oh, he's a DJ as well. I mean, yeah, it's. That's a busy guy right there. Uh, Amir is making us more mere mortal drummers look silly. I mean, he really is. Yeah. He's just just yeah. a beast. Well, I know that you're also doing some some lessons, and you'll have to forgive me because I'm not real familiar with the the platform that you're using. But I think it's called mm-hmm. School You. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. S C O O L U. Okay. Um, it is a company that I partnered with basically just to, um, uh, kind of allow people to get a hold of me and reach me more easily through that versus just cold calls or, you know, direct messages that I might not see. This is a, a company that will purely kind of set up the relationship for us and then we can have whatever time we want. But, um, I don't teach drums. Um, I, I'm still a person who thinks that I should be taking drum lessons and I do take drum lessons as, as much as possible. Um, <laughs> cool. I, I, I'm not the drummer that I want to be and I, I have a long road uh, ahead of me still, which, which I'm excited about. But one thing I feel like I can give back to young drummers or, or drummers that are, might be lost or, or not sure what they want to do is I just offer my time to talk to them, to tell them maybe about, some mistakes I made in my past that I would recommend them not doing and how to mentally prepare to go on tour and how to, how, how to survive on the road, how to treat yourself like an independent contractor, how, you know, how do you maintain a healthy relationship with your significant other while you're not even, you know, thousands of miles away from that person. Um, all those things we can talk about, uh, which is what I do. And I have a few students that, that I, I regularly speak to, um, but I could always use more. So. Well, that's cool. So it's more of a kind of a career coaching sort of thing then. Very much so. Yeah. It's kind of like a mentorship as well. Um, yeah, I, I had a few mentors at, at MI that really were the ones that were kind of my idols and heroes and mentors all at the same time. I looked up to them so much and I was like, you're giving me everything I've ever wanted. Thank you so much. But they were also very positive. Um, there was never any negativity, you know, even though I was struggling, um, being the drummer that I wanted to, they were, they were there for any and all questions I had, um, cause they'd been in the industry for 30 years plus at that time. So I, I also have not been in the industry for that long, but I've seen some things and I, I feel like I have enough information to give back to, to steer somebody in the right direction. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, you know, that being said, obviously you're welcome on this program anytime you'd like, but we'll have to have you back and uh, we'll have to have you back and and maybe get into some of that stuff, you know, and just tips for drummers that are that are trying to get on that next rung of the ladder. So we we'd love to, you know, spend some time doing that with you in the future. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Um, Tyler, one of our longstanding traditions here at the, at the drum shuffle is we always ask our guests for a piece of advice. So that segues perfectly into, you know, kind of how we wrap up every episode here. Give us all a good piece of advice that we can take out into our day-to-day lives, whether we're drummers or not. One thing, um, I would, I feel like we could end on would be something that my mom 
really preached uh, to me when I was a teenager. Um, both my parents are still alive, still together, happily married. And my dad was and is still very much a blue collar, hard worker. Um, he retired, but got out of retirement just to go back into work because he's such a, a work driven person, which I love about him. But he hoped for me, um, his firstborn, to go to college to get a real, like a real quote unquote job, um, that I could then support a family of my own. Um, but my mom, however, worked a job that she didn't like her whole life. Um, she worked in a cubicle and retired and, you know, she, she, the rest of her life was, was amazing. And and the family they raised, uh, was amazing, but she just didn't like her job. And the one thing she could have changed and wanted from me was to do something that I loved. So I had my dad on one side and my mom on the other, basically telling me complete opposites and I then had to choose like, Oh man, what, who do I want to make happiest? But deep down it was, it was about what was going to make me the happiest. And I, I went with what my mom uh, said and, and she was just, you know, do what makes you happy, you know, live in the positive, don't dwell on the negatives. And if this is what you want to do, then give it a hunt, like a million percent. I know that's not a real number, but give it, give it your all. And if that's your dreams and goals, you can do it. I, you know, I, I'm a perfect example of being a, a really mediocre, awful drummer and having a lot of people say, you're really bad and you probably shouldn't be doing this. Um, but I took that and I absorbed it and I flipped it around and turned that into pure work and effort. And the end result was, uh, a career that I'm now currently um, loving and living in. So uh, I, I think, you know, if you're a, a, a student at a school for, for cooking and you want to be a, a chef, but you suck at it, like don't let people tell you, no, don't, don't let anybody get you down. If you really think you're good at it and you're worth, you know, your worth, then go for it. Um, and, and, and do what, what feels right. Man, that's great advice, Tyler. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's, I mean, that that really is good advice. And you know, the the old adage is, you know, if you do something you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Exactly. I, I very much uh, live by that. Yeah, for sure. Well, you're out there living the dream, and uh, you, you're just doing great stuff. Uh, you know, I'm a fan of your playing. Um, you, again, you're welcome here anytime you'd like to come back, uh, and talk with us. Uh, I hope the run with Kiara goes as well as you want it to go. Uh, I hope it's safe. Um, everybody, you need to check out Tyler. Uh, his website is tylerzarzika.com. There will be a link on our show's website so that you can get in touch with him. He does have a contact tab on there. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Tyler, but I'm sure that you would uh, love to get an email from our listeners if they have any questions. Very much so. I, I'm an open book. If, if you guys want to talk about gear, symbol choices, what type of cases I use, what shoes I'm wearing when I'm playing, any of that stuff, like I am very pro gear talk. Um, <laughs> I know some drummers hate gear talk and they're just like, I want to play, don't ask me what I'm using, but I love getting those questions because I was a kid like that. I had so many questions of like, why, why is that drum like that? Why is it upside down? You know, all those things I I will never turn uh, anybody away regardless of who they are or their playing ability. Well, that's fantastic, man. And, and, you know, um, when we started the drum shuffle, 
uh, back uh, uh, really a short, you know, nine months ago. Uh, my goal was to put out a show that the 12 year old Jamie would have never missed an episode of. You know what I mean? Uh, that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> so I like, I like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I think so many uh, of the drummer shows, you know, the drummer interviews, it focuses on the paradiddles and ratamacues of, you know, the second verse of whatever song. And, <laughs> yeah. and I think that's great, but I would much rather know about Tyler than the licks he played on that last record. That's, that's just me. So, um, mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Tyler, for taking some time away from your very busy schedule to come on the drum shuffle. We really do appreciate it. Again, you're welcome here anytime. Keep us posted on everything going on in in Tyler Zarzika land, and we will share it with our listeners. Jamie, thanks so much for having me. That was that was real fun. Absolutely, man. We'll talk to you real soon. Okay. All right. Thank you again. All right. See ya. Bye bye. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for episode 43 of the Drum Shuffle. Thank you so much for tuning in. We sincerely appreciate it. We cannot do this show without every single one of you listening in week after week. As always, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using to listen in. It helps us tremendously to continue to grow, and we have some great guests coming up over the next several weeks that you are not going to want to miss. I promise you that. To that end, next week we are going to be joined by just one of the legendary names uh, in the business, and that is Jeff Ockeltree. Uh, of course, Jeff was uh, a drum technician for Billy Cobham, uh, John Bonham, um, Steve Smith of Journey, uh, Cindy Blackman Santana of Santana. Jeff has just worked with hundreds of drummers uh, as a technician. He also created some of the most iconic sounds uh, in the history of drumming. So you're not going to want to miss that episode. Uh, It was a big treat for me to get to speak with Jeff. That's coming up next week. So make sure you tune back in for that. We also have several other great drummers coming up. Uh, Chris McHugh, who accounts for probably 100 million records sold with his drumming on them. Uh, So you're not going to want to miss that. Uh, we just have a, a ton of great guests coming up, and I want to make sure you uh, you get to hear all those great conversations. As always, we love hearing from you uh, throughout the week. Our email address is thedrumshufflepodcast at gmail.com. Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com. That has all of our guest links on it so that you can find all the folks that we talk to. And if you're interested, you can hear uh, or learn more about me over at jamieeds.com. Again, thank you for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Love hearing from you. So we'll look forward to that this week. So until next time, may your heads stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>